And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. Thank you so much for joining us here on the program. We are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. with a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. On Wednesdays at 9 a.m., we stream live at those times at richarddugan.com. We podcast these programs at SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and many other locations, too numerous to mention, and also places that you folks are reposting us to. And thank Thank you so much for doing that. We really do appreciate that. We are also here <clears throat> on YouTube where you can watch these interviews. So I hope that you will take the time to watch these interviews. Subscribe. Go to the Tell Me Your Story channel on YouTube. If you'd like to support us financially, and we would greatly appreciate any support that you can give us, Please send your support through PayPal. We have a link on our homepage. Uh, PayPal is there for your security as well as ours. And then also participate in 2020, the year, the decade of perfect vision, the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where you'll spend time going within listening to that still small voice. I hope that you will spend the time to do that. And stay with us. We've got a lot coming up here on Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World with a very special guest. The recording has stopped. And we thank you for joining us here on the program as we get set to talk with a very special guest, a woman who is going to share with all of us, men and women alike, the difficulties, the challenges, the struggles that we have with our own personal appearance, uh, our own personal Oh, I'm not even sure what word, uh, image, self-esteem, confidence, etc. That is, I may be wrong when I say this, unfortunately tied to how we see ourselves in that god-awful mirror that a lot of people would like to just break into a million pieces. <clears throat> My special guest is she's a writer, she's a speaker, she's an educator. And she's with us today, and her name is Erica Mather. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. It's great to have you with us. My pleasure, Richard. Thank you for hosting me. I'm happy to be here. You have got a lot to share with us. Uh, first of all, <clears throat> and I'm going to say this uh, as, as non-misogynistic as I possibly can, okay? I'm ready and open, and I appreciate the framing. Okay, Onward. well, because... I heard one gentleman, and this was several years ago before all of the hoo-ha-ha came along, who actually admitted on the air, on his talk show, that he admitted and proudly said he was a misogynist. And I, I know what the word means, and I couldn't believe that a man would admit that. Um, do I love women in the female form? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's I absolutely do not understand what it is women see in men because I don't see that in the male form. OK, um, but you have some very um, beautiful pictures of yourself on your website. And in one sense, I'm going to ask you this question. It appears on your home page at the top where it says writer, speaker, educator slightly suggestive what was the intent there <laughs> should we describe the photos please i'm going to let you describe because i don't want to oh, get I'm into like, trouble i'm not going to touch that one <laughs> okay. okay so let, let's let's paint the picture for for our listeners mm -hmm. i am in a black lace bodysuit kind of kind of kind of a lot of cleavage it's basically a crotch shot. Let's call it what it is. It's okay. a crotch shot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, what is what is positioned in my crotch, um, obscuring my crotch, is a pile of books. Mm -hmm. And the topmost book is my book. Correct. And so, what was the what was the inspiration? And also, I mean, um, the the look on my face is like mischievous, very mischievous. Yes. Mm -hmm. My, uh, you probably don't know me well enough to, to know that it's mischievous, but it's, I am creating mischief here. And, and the, the purpose of the, the purpose of the photo was to get your attention, which I think it did. It did. And to make you wonder what's happening here. 
Yeah. Right. What's happening here? So there, in a crotch shot, there's a lot of things you could position in, in your crotch, but I specifically positioned books, right? Mm -hmm. And that is for me, a play on our, our outer worlds and our inner worlds, right? Because mm -hmm. a book, a book is a, a book is an outward material it's it's your inner word coming it's your inner world coming into outer form yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and you know we have this we have this this phrase don't judge a book by its cover right 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 and and so i'm making a play on this whole thing like look at me i'm being provocative i'm pretty i'm kind of like I get the feedback from men that I'm effortlessly seductive. It's like, I don't, I don't really try. Mm -hmm. I'm just, it's like, this is the way I was made, you know? Um, but the person on the inside is always shocked. I'm like, you thought that was sexy. I mean, I wasn't trying. <laughs> right. And the person on the inside is, um, always like a little bit like shocked to discover that, I'm a woman <laughs> shocked to discover that people think I'm pretty because I just, I don't feel that. I don't feel that at all. I right. feel uh, like a very strong uh, intellect. I feel a very strong emotional life. I feel a very strong creative life. And that's my inner world. That's my inner world. And, and oftentimes I think it's surprising when the outer and the inner don't like line up in a way that is easily understandable or congruent. And so the photo is to complicate what is our outer world and our inner world and how do they line up or how do they not line up? And to invite people to be more interested in what's on the inside than what is on the outside. Mm -hmm. Not to the uh, detriment of your body. I'm not saying ignore your body or ignore how you're perceived, mm -hmm. but I'm saying like the balance is off. The balance is very off. Let's bring these things into a balance. Let's bring them into a parody and also have better understanding of what and who we are on the inside and and how our physical forms are perceived and that makes people react to us. Mm -hmm. Now, what I find interesting is <clears throat> how our society has really shifted and changed in probably more so the last five or six years uh, than the last 50 or 60. And one of the, the I want to say, I want to call it a paradox. I really do, but I'm not sure that it is, is that we were made by whom I do not know. Okay, I will acknowledge my agnosticism when it comes to our creation. Uh, people will say they know, but they don't. They only know what they've read. Uh, and I get that. I understand that and I do respect that. However, we were designed to be attracted to one another. Now, I will even go as far as to say male to female, male to male, or female to female. And there are those who believe in polyamory, okay? And so they're attracted to more than one individual. And I'm going to keep that, that term out there, individual. Choose your sex. And so when uh, one of the sexes is upset over the fact that people look at me in such a certain way and da-da-da-da-da-da-da of the opposite sex, I'm going, but we were designed to be attracted to you. I, I you know, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, okay, I'm going to ogle, okay? I'm just going to sit here and drool over your picture or I'm going to follow you around. Now, that's inappropriate. That's called stalking. That's different. Um, I've even said it, put it this way. When I'm walking down our main street here in Santa Barbara and I see a, a woman who I find attractive and she's coming toward me, when she passes, she's now in my past. I don't turn around and look 
and get another second look. I keep on going. If I didn't, if I didn't see as much as I wanted to, too bad. Maybe I'll see her when she comes back. I've even seen some good-looking guys. You know the uh, the late the actor the the actor who played um, uh, oh what was his name? He was in the Mod Squad, the original Mod Squad from the '60s. The black gentleman, Clarence the Third. I can't remember his full name. Good-looking guy. You know, I don't care what color he was. He was a good-looking guy. I of the three characters in that show, there was a female blonde. And then, then there was a white a brunette guy. Okay. I liked the black guy. I You're like that's my favorite. He's the most attractive of this crew. Yeah, to me. I thought he was a good looking guy. And he was fun. He had that dry humor as among other things. And he's been in other movies since then and so forth. He since passed away, sadly. But that's what's interesting, how we are attracted <coughs> to different uh, different individuals down through the years, down through our lives in terms of what we're exposed to. And we want to get into that because we want to talk about your book and the work that you are doing. Your body, your best friend. Believe it or not, your body is your best friend. And now that's, I'm going to say, uh, on the outside, my best friend on the inside is my still small voice. I refer to that voice as my friend. Uh How does your intuition, Erica, help you, support you, encourage you, even for that matter, protect you uh, in such a way that you can maintain this level of confidence? And we'll get into how you got here. But talk to me about that inner, because you referred to the inner life, the inner you, how has that helped you or maybe even hindered your, your process to get where you are today, especially here we are talking about your body, your best friend? <laughs> yeah, my book, Your Body, Your Best Friend. Uh, okay, so how has my intuition helped me uh, be, be safe, be confident in myself? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, first of all, intuition is... Is, do, do you think intuition is that the same thing as your still small voice? Oh yes. Okay, so 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 I just wanna I wanna create some clarity because mm-hmm. intuition, um, uh, instinct, uh, inspiration—they all like they come from inside. But what's mm-hmm. inside is what's inside you. Is what's inside part of the who made us? We don't know, but I'm I'm just want to make sure that we're talking about the same thing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and, and I will tell you also that even if we're not, if your definition is different, please share it. If it's similar, that's fine. Uh, we're not necessarily here to agree on all points. I just, I'm just curious as to where you are coming from in that regard. So go right ahead, please. Yeah, so in, in intuition, I, it comes through the body, right? I mean, everything that we experience comes through the body. Mm-hmm. That, that is how we are made to receive information. And so my connection with the thing that you're calling intuition or the still small voice came through um, yoga and mm-hmm. specifically through connecting to breath. So if you think about it, breath is, breath is air in a way. And breath is quantum force air is the quantum force of everything that's all around us and i was actually just teaching on this yesterday that um, what that this connection to breath which puts you in touch with the still small voice or your intuition is is kind of safety in a way because that energy of intuition is designed to guide you, to protect you, to um, uh, instigate you to act in service of the greater good. And that when you connect to this, it creates a sense of safety. It has for me. Mm-hmm. And so this force is benevolent. It's, it's neutral in many ways. And I learned that 
on that little rectangle of a yoga mat. It is where I first created a, a place of sanctity. I used to be a professional musician too. I also found that safety like through playing the piano. Mm -hmm. But I then later found that safety through practicing that I could sit on my mat and weave a place of safety around me. And then I came to realize that safety, like many things, is an inner game and an outer game. Ah. Right? So you can, the world is a wide and dangerous place. I think we can agree on that. Yes? <laughs> I think that's, a, that's a fair assessment. And so you can, you can survey the world and feel frightened and victimized by it. But this is a choice. Everybody is just as not not everybody. We have different degrees of of, of danger that we're we're uh, subject to in the world. But I came to understand that you know we're always doing this inner outer game, and and it was up to me to figure out how to feel safe. Right? Any any safety that the world would would give me was like a boon <laughs> it's a gift right it's a wild card here you go kid here's a wild card i'll throw you a bone mm. so this inner safety that i started to feel on the mat like when i'm here and i'm breathing and i'm getting to know myself and i'm getting to know my body and i'm alone for the most part was the beginnings of weaving the safety and then our responsibility right is to translate that feeling of safety into our outer experience of the world and for the most part what i've discovered is that it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves whether you're a man or you're a woman it's our responsibility to take care of ourselves any kindness that comes your way, again, is a gift in a way. Some people would say that the degree of kindness that you experience is, is in direct proportion to the kindness that you're generating inside. I take a little bit of, of, I don't agree with that fully because I don't think that the world is fair, actually. Mm -hmm. Some of the kindest people I know are, are met with some of the hardest circumstances of life. It's just, mm. it doesn't seem like this is a game of fairness. And so I've found that it actually is useful to put down a notion of fair and decide on principle that I am going to create a safe space for myself. If anybody else makes a safe space for me, I'm grateful. But then to carry that safety with me or with you out into the world and to project it is a kind of confidence, which is maybe what you're, what you have identified mm -hmm. like in me, in mm -hmm. my body language, even in that photo, right? Mm -hmm. That photo is kind of like, I'm confident I can do this. I'm going to be okay. You did not right? look nervous in any way, shape or form. No. And no. was that your idea or a photographer's idea? That was mine. That was yours. Okay. All, all, almost all of my photography is my idea and okay. the pho photographers are, you know, helping me bring it to light. So safety is an inner game and an outer game. And how do you as a woman come to feel safe, I think is a very different question than how you as a man come to feel safe. If you go into a room of men and women and you ask the women, when was the last time they felt unsafe and you start to do a countdown. It's like yesterday. A lot of people raise their hands. If you go into a room and you ask a, and you ask the men in the room, when was the last time you felt unsafe? Maybe the last time a man felt unsafe, like maybe he can't remember. Maybe it was in high school. It was a long time ago. And I think that men are often very surprised to discover how recently women felt unsafe. And so... As women, we can be looking for people to protect us. But that puts you at the mercy of the people around you, which I don't think is, is a great idea. You think that safety has to come from within, in a matter of speaking? I think it's 
better to place your bets in multiple places. Ah. Okay. I like that. I like that. Your body is your best friend is what we're talking about here on the program. Your body, your best friend. That's what we are talking about here on the program today. We hope that you will pick up a copy. Go to ericamather.com. End the uh, end the confidence-crushing pursuit of unrealistic beauty standards uh, and enhance your true power. I want to talk a little bit about that, but before we do, let me give out the website. I did mention it was Erica Mather. That's E-R-I-C-A-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. And uh, just so you know, Erica, we will be linked to your website at our podcast as well and showing that in this video as well so that people can go to your website and read more about what you are doing, uh, the work you're doing with women and so forth. And men. And men. Now, this, this, women, but also men. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, one of the things that I have found very interesting, and that is as a man, and the frustrations I experienced, especially uh, uh, while I was dating and meeting other women and so forth, was my frustration was with how many women I would come across, and obviously there's the whole aspect of the law of attraction, I'm sure, somewhere in there, who were damaged. And I would get so, I, I would be so pissed off, so angry, because nine times out of ten it was men who did the damage. And I felt ashamed to be a member of the male, of the species. I, had, I have, presently I have, still, four sisters, one brother mother and father, family of eight, and uh, I grew to respect, didn't always agree with, but that's okay. You don't have to agree. You can respect people and not agree uh, with, with uh, uh, my sisters. I have good conversations, communication, and relationships with my sisters. I'm, I'm 61. They, uh, I think my oldest sister is, I'm guessing, 65 64. I don't want to. I don't want to put an age on her because you don't do that to him. You don't guess their age. <laughs> but we're spread between the 50s and 60s right now. Between my youngest sister and my oldest sister, my parents have been married 65 years. My dad'll be is 90 this year. Oh my God! I'm so inspired. It's amazing. I mean, now uh, 20 years earlier at his birthday party, I asked him. So, Dad, how's it feel to be 70? And he says, well, two things. One, I didn't expect to live this long, but I'm glad I'm here. And I'm sure that he would answer that question the same today. But I'm not going to ask him because I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. But they're friends. They're more than they're not even parents anymore. They're more like friends, which is really kind of cool. But I, I, I grew to respect. And I was sharing this in the last interview that I did with a gentleman talking about compassion. Uh, compassion heals is what he was talking about. And I was sharing with him an experience I had when I moved out of my parents' house into my first uh, apartment. And I, I'm going to say I fell in love with this woman who was probably 10 years older than me. I was probably 21, 22 years old. Uh, and she was a very good friend. She, I think, had a good idea of how I felt about her, but it wasn't really reciprocated. But she was still friendly. And, and I didn't feel as though I was being led on or anything. Anyway, one evening we were sitting in my apartment and we were talking. And she was getting really tired. And she laid down and laid her head on my lap. And she fell asleep. And, of course, being the young person that I was, not really knowing, you know, what, the, what should I do next, I'm, that was kind of where I was at. Now what do I do? She's asleep. I, I don't want to wake her. And not, uh, so I just, I just sat there. And I, I think uh, I may have stroked her hair. I may have, uh, you know, just looked at her, whatever. I just let her sleep. And what that told me was she felt safe. She Correct. felt safe. She wouldn't have done that otherwise. And I think that's one of the problems that we have in our society that you were just talking about in terms of women, in particular, feeling safe. Now, I have to say that with the high energy towards the Me Too movement in particular, 
uh, there are times when I'm not sure if I feel safe out on the streets anymore because I'm not sure what's going to happen coming from the other side of the tribe. Okay, and I when I say tribe, I mean of human beings. <laughs> okay, um, you know, am I going to be? Who do you think you are wearing that hat and being all that masculine? That's that's toxic masculinity. And and then, you know, we as men, we get attacked for being who we are, even if we're not misogynistic and so forth. And so you've got this 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 battle going on. And I'm not saying that women aren't justified. I'm just not sure how that's helping solve the problem that we have in this country in particular. I know it's global. When it comes to dealing with uh, the, 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 the differences, a marriage, for example, is not a competition to see which of the two can get one up on the other. As we see stereotypically in television shows and movies, you know, like uh, what is that one movie, that one show, uh, uh, um, uh, I've Got a Plan or something like that. It's the guy who played Joey in Friends. And he's always trying to up one on his wife. And of course, at the end of this episode, you know, they're back together and they're doing great. My parents never did that. I don't recall them ever doing that. They were a team working together. Talk to me about how, how you and your relationships, have you been able to find that teamwork attitude coming from your partner and how do you feel about that in terms of in terms of a relationship a, a, compa- a cooperation rather than competition well first I, I want to say that I think you've put your finger on something that's really important um, which has to do with our bodies <laughs> as our bodies skew into you know Man, mm-hmm. woman, something in between, because that's that happens biologically. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So so the the most fundamental experience that we have of our bodies is in many ways it's sex or it's gender. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I just wanna I wanna be careful with those words because sex refers to biology, gender refers to um, how you express your masculinity and femininity and your personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and and I'm I'm of a notion. I mean, just to just to you know let you know my vantage point and let your listeners know it's like, in general, the chromosomes parse neatly, and sometimes they don't. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Right. And and so there's a biology that may not fall neatly on one side or the other, and those people are human. Mm-hmm. They deserve to be treated as humans. And then there's a whole myriad of gender expressions that are also human and deserve to be treated as humans. So I just want to like put that out there because, you know, this notion of toxic masculinity, I'm not, I, I sort of know what that means, but um, I spend time with so many wonderful men. Like I don't, really like men like that. I'm like, that man is unhealthy. I'm going to steer clear, you know? Um, so you've put your finger on the, the very most fundamental experience of what it is to have a body is to have a gendered body and a, and a sex, a sexual body. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you said, like, like we're programmed to be attracted to one another. Right. And, one of my teachers on this topic, who you might be interested in, her name is Allison Armstrong, and she runs a course called Understanding Men. She also runs a course called Understanding Women. Women, and 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 I really I identify with her frame of reference, which is that the salvation of the species actually relies on men and women getting along well. Mm-hmm. Um, and somewhere along the way, we uh, we stop cooperating mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like your parents were a team because in in a way like their survival depended on them being a team and part of what we're we're experiencing now is our survival no longer seems to depend on us being a team 
Now, some people thrive on being at war with the people around them, and I find that to be a certain kind of pathology. It's a dysfunction, a malfunction of the person, mm-hmm. right? And those aren't the relationships that I'm interested in. So I won't seek out those relationships. Like you, I think what you're expressing is I am, I'm interested in teamwork. I'm interested in partnership. I'm interested in mutual understanding of similarities and differences because men and women are different. This is an unpopular view. <laughs> um, you know, it's an unpopular view. Men and women are different in part because uh, women's rights have been founded on the notion that we are the same. Women's rights have been built on the idea that we are the same as men. Therefore, we can do the same work. Therefore, we can achieve the same pay. Therefore, we have the right to vote, be in leadership positions. And in fact, the idea that we were different was exactly the bedrock of our subjugation. And so it makes sense to me that feminism, if you want to call it that, but I would say humanitarianism actually, because to, to treat women well is, is about humanitarianism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to say hum- the mission of humanitarianism, which we can, we can then skew towards feminism has been built on the idea that we're the same, but we're just not. <laughs> yeah. Right. But to say that we're different opens the door for all manner of things, including racism, including misogyny, Right. So so I think that it is a vision of a new world that is actually where differences are allowed, differences are respected, differences are seen as assets. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Instead of like even I was talking with um, a male friend of mine a couple days ago about how how as a species we have arrived at a difficult place because um, women are allowed to have their feelings and process them and men are not because the, the foundational schism of men and women was that women were emotional and irrational and men were logical and rational right? and, and that the emotionality and the irrationality was actually the foundation of our subjugation. Well, because then women were infantilized, not not capable of making decisions, not capable of owning property because they're children, because they're illogical and emotional, right? And so we've arrived at a very difficult place because the other side of that is that men have not been allowed to have emotions. Yeah. And when you disallow emotions, what you're doing is you are denying your biology, which you can't do. Like nature will win. Mm-hmm. It just will. Na- na- this yeah. whole thing, everything that is happening, nature's going to win. I don't know how. <laughs> and I don't know that I don't know that we're going to be in a better situation because of it. But nature is going to win. Yeah. Always does. Always does. Yeah. Always does. And so emotions are foundational to your human experience. And if you deny or repress an aspect of your human experience, it will twist, it will warp, it will squirt out the side in some kind of way that usually is um, uncontrolled, childlike and destructive. Mm-hmm. So to your question, <laughs> do I find partnership in my relationships? Yes, because that's what I'm looking for. And that's the only thing I will accept. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to compete with me, kind of like, okay, like, I understand that that's a human thing is that competition is sort of the way that you understand your worth. Right? But there are other avenues to understanding your worth that don't require you to step on me. Right. If you need to step on me in order to feel valuable, we it's not about me, it's actually about you. It's a, and, and it's about you feeling unworthy, not enough. Yeah. So 
I don't form partnerships with those kinds of people. I teach those kinds of people. Ah, very good. Very good. You said something that I think is something we need to talk about, too, <clears throat> about emotions mm-hmm. and how men are taught from a very early age not to express their emotions. Whereas girls or women, I should say, from a very early age are taught that it's okay to express those emotions until you get to a certain level in society, i.e., let's just say, higher offices, elective offices. And if a man gets angry over something and he pounds his fist on the podium as he's giving a speech saying, no more of this, da 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 He's viewed as strong, powerful, resolute. If a woman does that, she's absolutely out of her mind hysterical. Isn't that interesting how that flips? Yeah. And so it's like, uh-uh. No. I, want, I would love to see Harris just go off on a group of people. I mean, just freaking go nuts. And then say, now let's talk about the double standard, ladies and gentlemen. That is absolutely one of the most insane paradoxes in our society right now, where it's okay if you cry, if you laugh, if you carry on in private, but boy, you do it in public and you are going to be castigated. And I just, I just sit here going... How is your criticizing this woman for expressing her emotions? How is that helping the situation that she's talking about? Now you've diffused, you've deflected from the important issue that she's talking about. That was purposeful. That's oh, why. I know, I know. It's a purposeful dis- deflection. Yeah. That's one of the things that just really uh, gets me. One of the other things, too, and I've had this in my own relationships where... Uh, where the woman is is upset and she's carrying on and she's crying and she's venting and she's emoting and so forth. And I have learned, it's taken a while, okay, but I have learned not to fix. Don't try to answer her questions with anything. Just sit there. <laughs> Hold her if, you, if she'll let you. Listen. Don't take it personally and just be there. Uh, because I've, I've, yeah. tried, I've tried the other, <laughs> I've tried the other, and uh, I've been dead on the battlefield. Oh, yeah, it goes badly very quickly. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Allison Armstrong calls that, um, the, the teacher I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with her at all? I'm sorry. Say, say, say again. You did refer to her, yes. Are you familiar with her? No, at all? I am not, and we're going to have to connect with her because I think she would be very appropriate for uh, continued conversation here. But please continue. Yeah. She calls it holding the trash can. Ah, okay. Your job is just to hold the trash can, mm-hmm. and you are actually performing a vital function by holding the trash can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 funny. Um, yeah, you. How did you learn that? How did you learn just like listen? Pat the back, don't th- interrupt, don't solve. Just how did you learn that? I learned that <laughs> not from parents telling me, uh, learn from my mistakes uh, so you don't have to make your own. No, I didn't learn it that way. I learned from trial and error. I learned from getting burned and trampled and, and hurt and hit and so forth. And even when she, this person, is attacking me personally about certain things, I have to take the same perspective. Look, she is upset about, I don't know what yet, but I'll find out eventually because she will express it in some fashion and I better damn well be listening to catch it. Okay. (laughs) Because this is not about me. This is about her. Yes. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people haven't figured out yet. When somebody is angry and they're attacking you, it ain't about you. You just happen to be in the firing line. And that's not to say that you uh, may not have done something, said something that had has initiated this. That may be true. 
but it still isn't about you. It's about something that happened to them days, weeks, months, years ago in their childhood, the traumas, those kinds of things that we can get into as well that are coming up now because the onion, the, the layers of the onion have been peeled away and now this is, this is what's coming up. So I've learned that through trial and error, through just personal experience, but I've also been through a number of personal growth programs. I went through uh, LifeSpring, which was an outgrowth of Est back in the early 80s. Okay. Then I went through several levels of um, what's, it's out of Phoenix, Arizona, called Omega Vector and Delta Vector. It was the founder uh, who's since passed away. Uh, his name was George Adair. He was actually just a printer. His company was called Papago Printing, but he was very interested in the Zero Point and Teilhard and, uh, and some of the other great uh, modern philosophers of our time. Mm, okay. And uh, one of the things that he, he had in his books, and one of the, we had these monthly Monday meetings where we would all get together <clears throat> at, uh, at, a, at a particular place uh, for sort of like a, a monthly booster shot of the work that we had done in these five-day intensives. And he handed out this one poem by uh, a gentleman by the name of Tiberius. And the poem had to do with the gods getting concerned about man finding out who he really is. And it was getting a little hairy up there, and they, they basically were going around in circles going, where are we going to hide this truth? We, we've got to find a place to hide this so they don't, the man doesn't find this. And when I say man, I mean in the generic humanity, human sense. Uh, I got called on that the other day when I posted... <laughs> We did a program on uh, on uh, the pandemic and the future of man. And she says, Richard, I'm surprised at you. This was in an email. She wasn't mad. She And so I changed it to uh, the pandemic and the future of humanity. Uh, but anyway, so the gods, they're going through all of this. And they, they go, oh, we'll hide it on the highest mountain. No, he'll find a way to climb up there and get it. We'll, we'll bury it down in the depths of the sea. Ah, uh, he'll find a way to get down there, too. And they went through this laundry list of things, right? Until finally one of them said, I know where we'll hide it. We'll hide it in his heart. He'll never look there. And I loved that. But anyway, so I've been through these programs. Wow. I even went through a program, and I'm going to share this because I want to go in this direction. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Deer Tribe? And no. Kwadoshka. No. It's also a five-day intensive, several different levels. I was asked to record these. Now, some would, if people knew what this was, they'd go, really, you recorded that? Yes, I did. This was couples who would get together for five days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday evening, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And this was focused on human sexuality. Mm-hmm. In all of its grandeur and beauty and magnificence. Mm -hmm. And I am going to share this with you and our listeners uh, for the first time. I have never shared this on this program before. Exciting. There was an exercise where, and all the men and women were there. Clothing optional. 99.9% opted out of clothes. Okay. okay. The exercise was each person, male and female, and they did the males first, I believe, and then they did the females, would go up and they would sit up on this, uh, like the, the, the high back of a, maybe a couch or something, but they were supported. And they would show everybody their genitals. Mm-hmm. to show how different and beautiful each one was. Mm-hmm. And then they went through, they showed some diagrams in, in the workbook of, I think, I, I can't remember if there are four or six basic types. Now, they refer to them as the yoni and the lingam, mm-hmm. the vagina and the penis. Yep. Now, I can say that on radio, okay? Not a problem there. And... So what they wanted everybody to see was how different we were, and yet at the same time, how similar we were. 
And that was one of the one of the most remarkable exercises that I had witnessed as well as been a part of. And it it began amazing. Yeah, it truly was. Oh, the diversity. Yes. So I want to talk a little bit. Yes. About this aspect of of uh, our sexuality. And something you mentioned, you ta- you started talking a little earlier in the program about our biology. Okay. All right. Uh, and I'll dive into that. I want to remind our listeners, this is Tell Me Your Story. Erica Mather is my guest, and we're talking about Your Body, Your Best Friend, her latest work, ericamather.com. One of the things that I have learned, <clears throat> now I learned this in biology class in high school. And by the way, kind of gives you another point of reference on me. I was moved three times in high school, and I can't remember what year it was, what which one of the four years it was, but I was moved to three different biology classes and instructors. And each time I was moved, do you know where they were in the study? Human sexuality? Uh-huh, the reproductive system. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, talk about, talk about uh, law of attraction. Uh-huh. And I learned in all three of those places, in those classes, that each one of us, me being male, you being female, and all those listening who are male and female, all started out in the early days as female. Every embryo is a female to begin with. Every embryo is a female to start out with. And I sit there and I look at that and I'm going, then how in the Sam Hill can we have this problem that we've got right now when we can't even remember that we all started out as females? And then the DNA took over and the information kicked in. And I don't know who flipped the switch saying, male, uh, female, male, female, male, Female. I don't know who was doing that down there. In between. In between. Yeah. I, no clue. No clue. All I know is that that we all started out as a as the same sex. And then there was there's one other part I just want to throw in here. The side note, because I think this is important, too. I was I was Ray. Uh, I uh, learned early in my career, 15 years at a Christian radio station uh, about the evils of homosexuality. And I was talking with a rabbi on this very program, and he asked me, he says, do you know the context under which that law was established? I says, I have no clue. He says, that law was established for the purposes of not interfering with the natural procreative process of man. And of course, early in the Bible, it says, be fruitful and multiply, right? Well, humans... Uh, weren't as bountiful as we are now. It that might have is, been a problem. That is true. So <clears throat> I even asked this question of people who are all bent out of shape over this whole thing. First of all, those laws are no longer valid because the new covenant, if you believe in this philosophy, is the law of love. The 613 law, Jewish laws are no longer valid because that was the old contract. There is now a new contract. So you can't even use that anymore. But to, to what you just pointed out, if, we, if, if that law was created to prevent, uh, to, to, uh, uh, to not interfere with the procreative process of man, and we're fast approaching 8 billion people, do you honestly think that we have interfered with the procreative process of man? I don't think so, Tim. I don't think so. No, and I mean, if you... Okay, so we're swinging into... Uh, religion a bit and I, I, I just, that seems to be a, a wheelhouse of yours so it's one of them one, uh, one of your wheelhouses I, I mean my thought is God makes no, no mistakes mm-hmm. okay if God makes no mistakes then everything is as it should be so stop Telling people they can't be who they are. That's God right. God makes no mistakes. That's right. And interestingly, um, I mean, I mean to to be to be quite fair. I mean, if you look back at the rates of uh, infant infant mortality, mm-hmm. 
childbirth mortality. The, 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 the survival of our species was not guaranteed. That's true. Right? So, so the laws were put in place to try to guarantee the survival of the species. Mm -hmm. the, spe the species has survived. To your point, do we need these laws? No. I, I don't think so. No. But, but um, also, there are purposes. There's, there's functions that women who don't bear children or men who don't bear children that they perform in society that are Absolutely. necessary and important. Sometimes you need more hands on deck. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and a pair of hands that doesn't have their own children is more available to be a hand on deck for people who do, right? The unmarried spinster woman, for instance, um, you know, like that woman would be available to do other things. There are the historians. Historians are more likely to keep record of things when they're not bothered by children. There are the artists. Those people are available to do the things that, and these people perform vital roles in our society. And I think that it's important that, that they be protected. And I think that our society is more uh, amenable to protecting those people now than they used to be. Yes. Yeah. So, um, and as you've noted throughout our conversation, um, sexuality is a primal like force in, in everybody's body to, to greater or lesser degree. Right? Right. I think you'll discover when you, when you date a lot that some people have a stronger sex drive. Some people have a zero sex drive, yeah. you know, it's kind of like, like these things are calibrated, but, um, it's all perfect right? Because God makes no mistakes. So it's all perfect. And I think that part of our job as a, as, as a creation of whatever you want to call the thing that made us right, is to respect yeah. who and what we are. So kind of to, to my, to my book title, your body, your best friend is to respect who and what you are mm -hmm. to get to know it because it is a unique creation of which there will never be another one. Mm -hmm. and, go ahead. And to be your own best steward, right? Mm. Your body, your mm. best friend. Mm. It is yours. It is yours to take care of, to shepherd through life, to uh, defend, to make sure it's safe, right? It's yours. And, and this is a really, really uh, new idea, I think, because humans are used to objectifying themselves and others, mm. right? And so to take possession of your own body and your own life as human, right? Which is why I talked about, you know, humanitarianism, mm -hmm. talked about like people who have, whose biology doesn't fall neatly into X, Y, or XX, you know, those people are human. Right? Here, 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 here. People who have a gender expression, you know, you know, a little pride here, you know, like human. And anything that robs us of our humanity, that we do it to ourselves usually first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That then we allow other people to rob us of our humanity through the absorption of ideas that dehumanize us. Like that is, I think, our job as spiritual beings in material form. And I've even said that to members of the LGBTQ community. I know there's another letter or two after that, but I, I can't keep up. So I, I express uh, to them, I say, okay, let me ask you a question. Are you human? And they will say, yes. I said, then you belong, period. No more questions. You belong to the tribe. And I, I would even take it one more step. I'd say, uh, in terms of this country, I said, and you're an American, right? Yeah. Then you belong. You are a member of the tribe. Don't let anybody tell you different. Don't let anybody ever tell you different. Uh, I was born and raised legally blind. I went through school with those big, thick bottle-bottom glasses and large print books and recordings for the blind and talking books for the blind and all of that stuff and struggled through school. Thank God I had a resource teacher who I, I was able to spend some time with and do some homework, and she would help me through some of these things, and I learned how to 
adapt. And I am here today talking with you. Uh, interestingly enough, technology caught up with me and I had a lens implant in my right eye and now I'm driving. So thank you very much. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I have adapted. Not everybody adapts. And the thing that really galls me more than anything else, after going through what I went through in the bullying, and bear in mind, being legally blind in this lifetime, setting aside reincarnation for a moment, okay, being legally blind was not my choice. I didn't choose to be legally blind, okay? Nobody chooses All right. So, for someone who is of a different gender in the we'll say in the wrong body okay or yeah. who is attracted to the same sex yeah. and 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 knows knows good and well that there is going to be abuse heaped upon them who in their right mind would choose that life that is not a choice that is who they are and as i said earlier it's a new contract it's the law of love let them love and be loved. Leave them alone. What are you so threatened by? This is, this is the thing that really gets me. Do you think that they're going to break into your home and try to convert you? It's not about... You can't convert people. Either you are or you aren't. The funny thing about humanity is, is that we need uh, representation in many ways to yeah. feel safe. Right? Yeah. So the more people are like you, the more it validates the way you are. But interestingly enough you discover that even the more that people are like that it's it's like a foible of the species mm -hmm. we parse this like in finer and finer and finer slices like yeah. oh your eyebrows aren't shaped just like everybody else's therefore there's and you're like oh my god like this is what we're we're like quibbling over so i think that it's really important just yeah. to just to know that we will be doing this it's, it's a foible of the species, yeah. and we have to train ourselves away from exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. Erica Mather, I want to thank you so much for giving us so much time here on the program. I do have three final questions. I'll make them quick because I know that you have a deadline you've got to get to next. But I want to remind our listeners uh, that you can go to ericamather.com. That's E-R-I-C-A-M-A-T-H-E-R.com. We will be linked to your website, and I really do appreciate you giving us so much time here on the program. I do want to have you back to continue this conversation because I think— I love that. It's, yes, it's important. I, I really believe it's important in this day and time uh, that we talk about these things. We may not agree, but doggone it, we need to talk about them. Amen. Yeah. Yes, a, sir. a reminder to our listeners that we are here Saturday, Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times, as well as Wednesdays at 9 a.m. for a special edition of Tell Me Your Story. And again, streaming at richarddugan.com. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM. We're on YouTube. Tell Me Your Story is the channel. Go there, subscribe, watch the interviews, go to our guests' websites, and find out more about what they are doing in the world to make this a better place for everybody and spend that time during the decade of 2020, the decade of perfect vision, to where we can go within and spend that quiet, peaceful time time just relax just rejuvenate re-energize and listen to that still small voice whatever it is that you call it and uh and follow the promptings uh, of that still small voice because the still small voice will never ever put you in harm's way it may challenge you it's challenged me but it will never put you in harm's way final three questions for my guest here on the program tell me your story new paradigms for a new world are number one who is erica mathers mather <laughs> Who is Erica Mather? Uh, a, a warrior for freedom and truth and self-expression and empowerment. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you're doing now? I want people to be safe and comfortable being themselves. And finally, what is your life's purpose? My life's purpose is to learn to love better and to help other people learn to love better. Erica Mather, thank you so much. This has been a great interview, and I want to do this again and continue our conversation because there's so many other directions that we can go dealing with, especially your book, your website, as well as your book, Your Body, Your Best Friend. And we thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me here today, Richard. Appreciate it. And to all your listeners, thanks for tuning in.
And I thank you for listening and watching. Tell me your story, new paradigms for a new world, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to lol.